is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. Second captain, first captain, whatever. As far back as April 2021, Ken Early stated that Trent Alexander-Arnold had the potential to become Liverpool's best player, but only if he was released from his right-back role and allowed to influence the game from the middle of the pitch. Damien Delaney recently listened to Ken talking about this topic on the podcast and texted me to say, what the fuck is this bollocks? (laughs) Today on the World Service, the two men debated the motion, is Trent at centre mid the long-term solution to Liverpool's problems? Hey Murph. Hey on, how's it going? After all the posturing, all the pre-fight trash talk. Wow. Cheap, 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 cheap. (laughs) (laughs) It was one side of trash talk mostly. Well, no, in fairness, it was some from... What what the hell was that bollocks? Somebody said, I mean, that's... I don't want to have to read it again, Murphy. Yeah, sorry, mate. But it was it was worse than hell. Trashy enough, though. I don't know it was trying was spicy from both here. The two combatants are finally throwing down today. I just think it's crazy at any level of football to put your best player in a peripheral position rather than in the centre where they're gonna where the game is really happening. That's the game has to kind of rotate around the centre. Your best player should be there. Where that that's the most difficult place to play, and. You know, it's a, especially in a situation that they've had this season, Liverpool have had this season, where the midfield doesn't function. I'm amazed that it took him this long to do the thing that he obviously, obviously should have done a long time ago. Uh, and if, you know, at the time when they had, you know, Vinal and Henderson, um, Fabinho all playing well, okay, that was, that was working well and he was playing well, that had all collapsed. It was completely gone. He wasn't any kind of a, a, a threat from right back, just a liability. Like two assists all season, I think, from from right back. Just getting hammered, uh, you know, pretty much weekly impressed, drop from the England squad. Career actually in serious decline. And this is like a player of unbelievable talent who I think has shown since he's actually moved into a position where he can affect the game more, the difference that he can make. I mean, I think, do, do you see a difference in him? Oh, he's loving, yeah, he's loving it. De- it's, it's definitely reinvigorated him. I think yeah. he, he, I think he played right back for so long. The team was in decline, and he kind of he was getting the blame every week. Yeah, he, he kind of lost a little bit of impetus, but he's going to get that back. He's the most important player and one of your best players. See, but the damage he used to do from from right back, right? You're now taking that away, right? So now you've no real. Uh, uh, well, that that, no, that that was already gone. That had stopped. That had stopped happening. You know what I mean? You, right, you know. but I, th- I think you're seriously breaching the, the structural integrity of your team by moving them inside. Good teams, right, will start to figure out the weak spots in what Liverpool are doing and they will find it very, very quickly. So, like, if you were prepared... So, let me put it this way, right? So, all Premier League teams, right, have teams of analysts, okay? And all the analysts now are finishing up for the summer and some analyst is going to be handed Trent and they're going to say, look, what are Liverpool doing? Why are they doing it? How are they doing it? What are the strengths and what are the weaknesses? Mm. All summer, some guy's going to sit for two weeks in a room like we are now and he's going to watch clips of it because if Liverpool do this next year, someone's going to want to figure out how do we limit Trent's involvement in midfield? Mm. How do we expose the weaknesses? Now, there's a lot of weaknesses in Liverpool. It's just the teams they've played against haven't been in a position to exploit them and I think that's coming down the line. But he absolutely has turned Liverpool's season around Liverpool have problems in midfield. I'm saying go and sign midfield players. Mm. You're limiting um, Andy Robertson's input as well because now you're putting the reins on him and you're saying you've got to be left-sided three centre-back. Mm. So you're diminishing his attacking 
threat down the outside. So now you're saying to me, if you're saying to me, Liverpool are going to press forward with this, it's a huge shift from, mm. from, from what they were to what they were trying to be to what you're saying they're now going to be. You need to go and sign a left side centre-back like Nathan Ake yeah. who can do that. So Robertson now is going to be out of the team, right? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things happen when Trent goes into midfield, right? So when I talk about analysts, right? So one thing someone's going to do now is they're going to say, look to a number eight or a number 10, they're going to say, you go and clamp him get in his vicinity and limit his input on the game. Yeah. That's what any manager will say. You've got to be within five, ten yards of him. Don't worry about the game. Your job is to drift into his area. And when he gets on it, you've got to get contact on him. You've got to get his head down. You've got to get him playing backwards. You've got to limit him because he is one guy that has the passing range and the ability to really hurt you. Yeah. Right? So, Which is why he should be playing in, in that area of the field. But if it, right, but no, he's all the time and space in the world. right? Because other teams are playing against are in awful place mentally they're dropped off they're defending for their lives they've got so many problems to worry about that they they can't kind of designate someone to go and deal with Trent but next year someone's going to say to a a real physical uh, energetic number 8 just drop in on him limit him because if he starts getting the ball and his head's up he's on the halfway line he's going to start hitting passes and he can really hurt us right so now it's up to Trent then to say he's getting not man marked but he's getting limited so what has he got now as a midfield player can he run off the back of people possibly all that but if you're saying that he's going to go into centre midfield now, you've got to go and send a right back. Yeah. Right? And yeah, well, you've got to sign somebody. I mean, it's either a centre midfielder or, or a right back. A, a I mean, centre midfield player for me. And why not tra- both? It should be noted that debate took place. And in fact, Damien has been in touch with me repeatedly since we put this out in the World <laughs> Service to make sure everybody's clear. The debate happened last week when we had the opportunity to have Damien mm. in studio to do it. That was before... Trent's underperformance in the Aston Villa game which to be honest even has Ken's faith yeah. in the whole project a little bit shaken but you know he shouldn't be too shaken given that eminent football writer Henry Winter has just this very day joined the course mm-hmm. calling for Alexander, Alexander Arnold to play in the middle tell him he's Henry Winter and send him back out there <laughs> exactly uh, this is just the boost that Ken needed you know yeah. uh, up until Winter's support uh, Winter's vote of confidence he was wavering but now I mean with Henry Winter in your corner you you don't need to fear anyone or no. anything. We went deep on that debate today. Anyway, there's a lot of Trent talk, if that's there your is. thing. This one is probably aimed at Liverpool fans specifically, I would say. Uh, no, on way, uh, fans of tactical nuance and innovation. <laughs> uh, not just Liverpool. I was enthralled from minute one. Good. And uh, you know what? For all of the unseemly chatter before the debate, I thought that the fighters... They, they behaved impeccably once they got inside the ring. There was a lot of respect. Well, a small bit of respect. <laughs> Speaking of debates. Joanne, we're here to talk about Holland. And the next time you come ask me the questions, make sure you quote me correctly. Against Murph's better judgment, we gave that Talchin Cup Sunday game live set to a small bit of airtime yesterday. I think it was worth it, if only for Murph's half-decent, surprisingly half-decent Don Logan impression. If you'll allow me now, I'll answer your question, all right? <laughs> I, I'm still not hearing it I mean I, I t- We've had two Two You know how yeah, difficult Poor people are to please Multiple emails We've had multiple emails Saying That's actually pretty good From Cork That's people. from a Cork person yeah. I mean So there you go I mean I'll, I'll accept it But I, I Do we have it again Si? We might just play it again for like If you'll allow me now I'll answer your question Alright See We're here to talk about Holland And the next time you come Ask me the questions Make sure you quote me correctly that, Yeah Like any great impressionist Murph It's not just about How accurate The impression is It's about what you're it's not just about the accent it's about mm. what you're saying and are you conveying the essence of a person and I think yeah. you might be doing it in your impression so. tough oh. days to lad him so well, there you go thanks so much. I, well I appreciate some other words. field <laughs> some other field 
Should we play some of our actual hurling analysis? Yeah, why not? Best you in the business. Let's give it a good whirl of this. Margaret Clerken and Jamie Wall. Jamie, <laughs> you suggested that Clare wouldn't get out of their group in Munster. Now they sit top of the pile, waiting to see who gets to play them in the Munster final. Try to apologise to all of our Clare-based listeners, including US Murph, massive Clare uh, hurling fan. Well, here's one Cork man who's not afraid to admit he's wrong when he steps <laughs> on the line. <laughs> yeah, no, look, sure, listen, yeah, this, is the, this is the game. That's why uh, Ken is usually so reticent about predictions. Yes. And, uh, you know, occasionally you say something and it comes back the wrong way and you're wrong. I, I will say, like, you know, it shows Munster, I suppose, as being a really small margins thing where, like, you know, in the dying embers of that game on uh, Sunday Cork give a ball away down to the corner and Clare turn it over to score a winner if Cork are a bit more patient with that possession and score all of a sudden Clare are under massive pressure now they're sitting in a Munster final and like you know the same they beat Limerick by a point Um, so like it just shows the margins that, that are in Munster at the moment particularly by comparison to I will say the, uh, the other province which we'll get to Simon's has arrived in with a couple of coffees that's one for you Jamie just to show there's no hard feelings despite this unbelievably shocker of prediction it was an unbelievable weekend of hurting for Simon, day of hurting Mal uh, it should be said as well you know two games together yeah. both thrillers in different kind of ways I think yeah like um, we, we should say like that we that everybody's been wrong you know that that's thanks, man. No, <laughs> much as it pains me, of course, to uh, make Jamie look in any way good compared to the rest of it. But didn't didn't we all sit here at the start and say that everybody was playing for second in the whole All Ireland Championship? Never mind Munster. Like everybody has been wrong from the and everybody mm. has been proven wrong within the space of bloody three weeks. Like yeah, you know the the Munster Championship or the All Ireland Championship that we that we all previewed in exactly the same way. No matter where you went, no matter what media you consumed the week that the hurling championship was starting, everybody said exactly the same thing. Limerick are so far out in front and it's going to take a huge shock for anybody to challenge them. And now we're sitting here going into the last day of Munster and there is a very, very good chance that they don't make it out of Munster. So look, everybody was wrong. Yeah, and um, I mean, like, and that, like, and that is the big one, you know. Like yeah. that is the 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 big story of the last three weeks has been just what has gone on with Limerick, you know. Like what, um, you know, the, the, there are obviously different circumstances in each game, but they've struggled really badly in each game, and I wonder what kind of what you think the reason that that is Mal what exactly teams have seen is it different things that each team has seen is it actually the fact that all of them spent the entire winter thinking of nothing only Limerick well, the I road mean, through the Old Ireland I, has to go through Limerick I think anybody who listens to us talk about hurling in this podcast knows exactly what it is Limerick took the league too seriously <laughs> yeah, exactly. and the rest of the teams just kind of hung around and analysed absolutely everything Limerick do and to be fair, Limerick's Limerick's plan B has always been to do plan A better mm. in the like the way Kilkenny used to. Jackie Tyrrell used to always to say that when he was a columnist with the with the Times, and I used to do his column with him, and he used to go like. If your plan A is good, just do it better. Don't worry about a plan B. Yeah. And Limerick's plan A has been very very good, and they they have just kept doing it better and better and better. But that gives opposition, I guess, it gives them an opportunity. It, if they are 
if they can see a team that is in some way predictable, then they can at least apply a predictable plan towards it and see how far you get. Look, in other years, that hasn't been good enough because they... So, like, somebody like Tom Morrissey has kept his form immaculately through the last... uh, through the Munster Championship. He's been Limerick's complete standout player. But the fact that he is playing so well sort of points up the players who aren't. And Particularly a couple that are very close to him on the pitch. Well, exactly. You know, that half-forward line has been their sort of... They're guns of the Navarone, and they, they are impossible to stop on their day. But... Keen Lynch touched the ball five times the week before, or sorry, six times the week before last, and I didn't get to count how many he touched it last Sunday. Uh, Gerard Hegarty is having a very public loss of form. Um, there's, there is an element of that to it. There's an element also of teams deciding to push up on Barry Nash. There's also Sean Finn has inj- is got injured. Um, there is as funny they were pointing out on the Sunday game there's a few sort of bits of carelessness and sloppiness that that are happening that never happened like Nicky Quaid dropping that ball and lying lying on it to give away the free uh, as the most sensible course of action for him at the time like there's just a few bits and pieces and it just shows that everybody else has them targeted everybody else has come with a plan and it's enough to it's enough to live with them, and now now we see where where everything can go from here. Mm. Jamie, yeah, there's there's it reminds me of like they're kind of the old Alex Ferguson thing in the dressing room where he was saying to the United players they're passing a scratchy like it just they're mm. at the moment they're just scratchy like mm. just like you said it's like usually the whole thing just first fella wins a break and there's three guys streaming off him and it's like two balls go to hand and the ball flies over the bar and it's just so fluid whereas there's no sense of that with the way they're playing at the moment I suppose the one thing um, I'd say like about it is and I was asked this morning who did I think would win the All-Ireland and I said I think if Limerick get through this they like like you know, it could be another hilariously wrong prediction, but I think if they get through Cork next weekend, you know, they'll go third, I'd say they won't have a monster final and they'll be I I I would trust them to get it right again then, you know, down the line. I think like like you said, it's a loss of form at the moment. But I I think like like everyone in the country that wants to win the All Ireland is going to be supporting Cork next weekend purely because it's like we Get need someone to slay the beast. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, and, and it reminds me of kind of, you know, for years as a Cork football supporter, like eventually we just gave up on the notion that we're going to beat Kerry in a game of consequence and we needed Down to do it in 2010. Yeah. And it was like, oh, we'll take our chances with Down, you know? Yeah, yeah. But like sometimes you just need someone to knock them out and Cork have a chance to do it. And one thing I have said is that I think whoever knocks Limerick out could end up being caught down the line and like it's it's in that position now for like where it's going to take such a huge effort for Cork to go over the line and knock Limerick out you'd fear for them down the line but I suppose like like you know I suppose we're, we're focusing a lot on Limerick and I suppose like you know we have to probably maybe turn around and give Clare their credit like which which you know like they have they have gotten over the line in the two games now yeah. like um, but just one last thing though on Limerick the aura is gone that's a thing like when that goes it's very hard to get it back because and it, that's the same in all sport 
when the aura when the aura went from the Dublin footballers, can, they, not not everybody thought they had a chance, but the teams that had a chance. Can can I point closer. you to the massive comparison that's jumping out at me right now? And we're talking in the same year, Manchester City. Hmm. The aura was gone. How long ago Jonathan Liu wrote the piece Arsenal are going to win the league Arsenal are going to win the league mm. Man City weren't playing well Is Haaland making them worse All these things And then All of a sudden They survived that little blip And now Murphy said a while ago The treble is Like we reckon it's done like. Yeah they had, tw- they had 25 games to do that though they have, but Limerick have four games to do Sunday. it. I know, but but like you, I suppose you're always you yeah. could always be gone. What I what I mean is like you know you're saying like the aura is gone right now. That's why I'm saying if they survive this, they'll play a Joe McDonough winner. They'll beat yeah. them by seven hundred points, and then they'll play a quarter final against second in Leinster. S- uh, se- well, yeah, second in Le- second in Leinster, yeah. Do you know, and then all of a sudden, like. This thing becomes it become it can become a juggernaut again very quickly when you have their what they have backing it up. I suppose is what is what I'm saying. Like you know, mm-hmm. I think I think Man City within this year, like they were the amount of points behind Arsenal, they weren't playing well, and then all of a sudden it clicked. Like and Limerick have four of the last five All Irelands. Mm-hmm. Is it like I I know what you're saying about the aura can go, but I think like. I was reading the Examiner on the way up today, and Kieran Shannon, Kieran Shannon used the, the the wire quote like, "You know, come with the king, you best not miss." And like, if Cork miss on Sunday, like it's going to be disastrous for all the other teams. I think, like, because I, I, yeah, I funny the entire country is just yeah. Well, I, I first time before. in the history yeah. of the GA. <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Jamie. I mean, there's a level of self awareness there that I uh, yeah. that I appreciate. But no, I I I do like. Absolutely, all the country are are rooting for Cork, and that's out of respect for what Limerick have done. But I would say that you know, say the situation where, that you've talked to there, where they have a couple of games, they have a few weeks to to sort it out. Everyone, I think, thought that last Sunday we'd have seen the benefit mm, of the yeah. three weeks off, and I f- kind of feel that like yeah. whatever about losing to Clare, whatever about you know, kind of in retrospect struggling over mm. you know like a really bad Waterford team or a Waterford team in a very bad place at least that everyone expected what you're talking about to happen last Sunday and it didn't and even that sit- even down to like situations in the game from 15-12 to 15 all inside two and a half minutes in the, at the start of the second half or whatever it was then they go 16-15 up and you know, we all know how that story ends, and yet it didn't. You know, the, the tip, tip were actually able to, at that exact moment, stick with them, uh, burrow out a couple of points, mm. and then actually it was a game then. And But I think, you know, as you say, whatever about or the aura may have slipped, but I think people still saw the warning signs of that on Sunday, and the fact that tip were able to s- steer that down and actually probably... Not shrivel. F- yeah. yeah, finish yeah, strong. Yeah. Like, finish yeah. really, really strong. I think there's, a, there's also a comparison to be made here, uh, and this is total wisdom after the event, because as I say, we sat here four weeks ago yeah. and crowned Limerick so this could just be as much bullshit as it was then but there was a great stat Dennis Walsh had uh, in the times around the start of the championship that of Limerick's four All-Ireland finals their starting 15 was came from 17 players yeah in four four that's four and five years there is definitely a chance 
that when you get to the end of the year and all the post-mortems are done, somebody somewhere in Limerick is going to say, yeah, we just didn't freshen up the team enough over the period of dominance. I always come back to the greatest trick Jim Gavin ever pulled with the Dublin footballers was that for the first four years of their four in a row, their average age dropped. Yeah. Even though everybody <laughs> in the team got a year older. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. The average age dropped year by year by year over four years. And that's because he freshened it up every year mm. with a new young player, a new young player all the way through. And it was Conor Callan, it was Niall Scully, it was Owen Merchant, it was whoever. Yeah. They had and the, you know, but he had the players. He had the players, exactly. Lord, they're up down the coach, you know, beach. Caroline, the arse has ripped out of me trousers here. Could have been Pancho McMahon or Sosso Cooney who lived in Oliver Bond. I got stopped and searched three <laughs> times on the way, you know, the boardwalk. Well, the big 99 with loads of raspberry ah. sauce on it. There we go. That, that is the business. Oh, jeez, that's class. It's absolutely class. Recently on the Second Capital Podcast, Ken expressed his distaste for Air, as you guys heard. It was a Monday pod, wasn't it, last week? The new movie about the origin of the Air Jordan Empire. Ken's thoughts got read out on New Zealand radio this week. <laughs> this is a bit of a convoluted explanation here, but that gave us an excuse to play some other famous Ken Early radio shout-outs over the years. This one on Claire FM being my undoubted favourite is uh, Tuesday 4th of February. We're nicely into February now. Let me just have a look at some of the uh, birthdays today. Uh, comedian Dara O'Brien, a TV presenter as well, isn't he? He hosted, um, have I got news here, some of those uh, programmes. 48 uh, years old today. Um, ex-boxer, I have to admit I'm not really sure about this man, Oscar De La Hoya. I don't know, I can't remember him off the top of my head. Anyway, he is 47 today. Um, sports journalist and writer and radio personality Ken Early is uh, 41 today. Irish actor Patrick Bergen <laughs> is uh, 69. Irish actor Patrick Bergen. Oh, man. Radio personality. I was trying to remember who it was earlier on. I, I remembered the clip and that there was one of that ilk of yeah. actors was mentioned. Yeah. I actually remembered De La Hoya, but I'd completely forgotten about Pat- Patrick Bergen. There you go. Sign up now on secondcaptains.com for just five euro a month plus fat and you get to hear the Trent Alexander-Arnold debate in all its glory and everything else that's going on on the Second Captains podcast, which is part of the Acast Creator Network. Thanks, Murph. Thank you very much, Sean. That's the second time it's gone off. Never got home. They never got home. They never got home. Those, those, those boys. The second captain's world service. It is not war and death and famine. It's not that at all. It's the opposite of that. It's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports important.